0: Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne LeBar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray, and to give more than either we desire or deserve. Pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy. Forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things which we are not worthy to ask, but through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and for ever. Amen. Our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 51, beginning at verse 1. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you are hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, and will make her wilderness like Eden her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation, for a teaching will go out from me and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me, and for my arm they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish like smoke and earth will wear out like a garment and those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be for ever, and my deliverance will never be ended. The Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. My late father-in-law was a geology lecturer, and I think it would be fair to say that his life revolved around rocks. Clearing his house after his death last Christmas has shown us that, if we didn't know it already. We've come across box after box of carefully labelled rock samples, gathered on working trips, but also on family holidays. Now, coming back from the seaside with rock is nothing unusual, but it's usually the sort that's made of peppermint candy, with a resort name running through the middle of it. Not for the Le Bar family. They came back with the real thing, packed in the car around the luggage. To us, as we wondered what to do with all those rock samples, one looked much like another. But to Philip's father, each one was unique, coming from somewhere specific, with its own story to tell. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug, says Isaiah to the people of Israel. They'd been in exile in Babylon for generations at this point. And their big fear was that they'd lose their identity, their heritage, their sense of who they were as children of God. That they'd just be absorbed into the empire that had conquered them and sink without trace. Isaiah's answer to that fear was to point them back to the stories of their faith. Stories like that of Abraham and Sarah, called by God to journey into the unknown, getting it wrong as often as they got it right, but learning bit by bit to trust God. Isaiah is reminding his hearers of God's steadfast love for them. This is the bedrock of their faith, the faith which inspired Abraham and Sarah. This is the rock from which they were hewn. The Gospel reading is also a rocky one. In one sense that's obvious. Jesus calls Peter the rock in it. That's what the Greek word Petros means. Peter will be the one on on whom his church is built. But those who originally heard this story would probably have had other rocks in mind too. It's all to do with where the story takes place. Jesus is in the district of Caesarea Philippi, we're told, which was a town in the far north of Israel near what's now the border with Lebanon, in the foothills of the range of mountains that included Mount Hermon. As that might suggest, it was a rocky landscape, peppered with limestone caves and outcrops, the site of ancient shrines carved out of the rock, including a very popular shrine to the great god Pan. If we imagine this scene then, as its first hearers would have done, We need to see Jesus and his disciples standing amongst the rocks. Rock beneath their feet, rock in front of them, rock around them, rock everywhere. The name of the town itself, Caesarea Philippi, was a reminder of some of the the rocky and non-negotiable realities the people of the area had to deal with. It was named for Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor at the time it was founded and for Philip the Tetrarch, the Jewish king, part of the family of King Herod, who was the puppet ruler put in by the Romans, who'd founded this town as a stronghold on an important trade and military route. Power and authority were enshrined right there in its name. If anyone was in any doubt about who was in charge, who ruled the roost, who decided what was what and who mattered, the two words Caesarea Philippi were designed to give them rock-hard certainty about it. That makes it all the more extraordinary that when Jesus asks his disciples, Who do you say that I am? Peter answers with no hesitation. You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. In this place, where the source of power, the bedrock of people's lives, was supposed to be so clear, Peter makes a bold, bold, counterintuitive claim. He wasn't looking to Rome or to the Herodian kings for guidance and authority. He was looking to a Galilean carpenter who had called him, loved him, chosen him, who had transformed his life and shown him a new way, a way of love and inclusion. Jesus couldn't offer him glory or financial reward or physical security. In fact, he was clear that following him was likely to lead to confrontation with the authorities, challenge and trouble. But despite all of that, Peter knew that this was the person, this was the way he wanted to shape his life. It wasn't always plain sailing for Peter, of course. Not long after this, he would deny even knowing Jesus when Jesus was arrested and crucified, But Peter soon realised that while he might have preserved his life by doing so, something inside him had died when he turned his back on Jesus. He couldn't just walk away, and as history bears witness, he did indeed eventually become that rock on which the church was built. These readings challenge us to ask ourselves what our bedrock is. What are the things that really matter to us? And why? It's often said that we live in a very commitment-phobic age now. Maybe that's because many people have more choices than they might once have done. Choices in relationships, choices about whether to have children or not, choices about jobs, volunteering, hobbies, what to spend their time and energy on, choices about faith, political opinions and lifestyles. That's not true for everyone, of course. Sometimes choice is restricted. But the more choices we have, the more that we're aware that choosing one thing, one partner, one job, one way of life, means rejecting other options. And that can feel very difficult. It's all too easy to end up like the donkey that starves to death between two bales of hay because it can't decide which one to eat first. The result for us can be that we drift through life, rootless and restless, never making a conscious choice at all, but in the end discovering that our reluctance to commit ourselves has shaped our lives just as much, and often not for the better. There's no magic formula for making those tough decisions in life, and often, in retrospect, it's impossible to tell whether we got it right or wrong, whether there even was a right or wrong. But what really does matter is that in all our decisions, we remember the rock from which we were hewn, the bedrock of our lives, the values that matter to us, the things that are foundational for us, and the one who gave them to us. God's love for us is as steadfast as it's always been, and he calls us to rest on that love to trust it and build on it, because when the empires of the world crumble away, as they all will, when the things we thought we were certain of are stripped away from us, his love will still be solid and enduring. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray, Our Father who art in heaven,